0: Look at an entire chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 27. I'm not going to read the whole thing, it's way too long. But I want to continue my series called Unshakeable. Unshakeable. It's about finding strength in a culture of chaos. We live in a culture of chaos, and we need to find a place that we can put our roots down and be unshakable. Because we live in a chaotic world. And so last week I gave you a memory verse. uh, Psalm 62.2. Now we're going to put it up this morning. I want us to read it together. But I'm very serious. I want you to commit this to memory. I know many of you have. Psalm 62.2. Let's read it out loud, shall we? He alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress where I will never be shaken. Jesus is the fortress. It's not religion. It's not a a systematic theology. It's not a certain doctrinal statement. It's in a personal relationship with Jesus that we find our fortress. Now, let's read it again. Psalm 62, 2, he Alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Now, in four weeks, we're looking at four different kinds of chaos. Last week, we talked about chaos that we create ourselves, maybe by sin, maybe just by a stupid decision, maybe by lack of wisdom, but we sometimes find ourselves in a chaotic situation because of. Our own decision. And we talked about the need to confront that chaos and take responsibility for why we're there. Ask the right questions. Listen to the right people. Take the right steps. But sometimes you find yourself in chaotic situations that you've not created. And that's what today's message is about, the chaos that we simply encounter. If you live in a community and a hurricane goes through, if a fire destroys your house, if you're one of the parents that found their child shot in Texas this past week, those kind of disasters, it doesn't matter, friends, how much you have it together. When those storms hit, they bring chaos to your life. And you never know when everything about your existence will suddenly spin into chaos. Many of you have stories to tell. You were cruising along just fine, and then all of a sudden, disaster hit, chaos hit. You encountered chaos. And I'm not just talking about things on a national level. We've seen that on the national level. But some of you are seeing it happen day after day on a personal level. Maybe in your marriage, your family, your business, or your job. And your world is becoming increasingly unstable. (laughs) You know, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And when that happens, friends, it doesn't matter how together you might be, the chaos is still going to affect you. And the Bible speaks to that. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. What do we do? How do we remain unshakable when the world comes crashing down around us? Dealing with the chaos around us. And this story in Acts chapter 27, I think is a really good biblical example. And we can take some principles about how we can handle the chaos that we encounter. Now the story in short is about the Apostle Paul. He's on a ship. And it's the middle of a storm, and everybody on the ship is losing their head because they're worried the ship is going to sink, and he stands up strong. He doesn't deny what they're going through, but he is unshakable. And the events of this story really parallel, I believe, the steps we need to take in order to respond rightly to some of the chaos we encounter. So Paul gets on this boat. He's on his way to Italy. It's not a cruise. (laughs) One of the things I want you to notice is how the pronouns change in Acts chapter 27. You'll notice that all of a sudden, instead of talking about he, he talks about we. Now, there's probably a reason for that. And the reason is that we can assume at this point that Luke, who actually wrote Acts, Luke is probably along for the ride with Paul. He speaks plural. So Paul and Luke get on this boat, and his life, friends, was already chaotic. As I said, he's not going on a cruise. He's on his way to Rome to stand trial. He's got a court date with Caesar. Caesar probably he's wrestling with the fact that he is going to be sentenced to death. So all that's on his mind. The chaos in Paul's life was not because of his own doing, other than the fact that he had been faithful to preach the gospel. But the chaos in Paul's life was the result of the fallen world in which Paul lived. We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. We go through chaotic times for the very same reason Paul did. He boarded the ship, and things went from bad to worse. The ship had about 276 people on it, plus all the cargo, and they ran into some weather problems, and they ran out of dramamine. And it was miserable. And no one really knew how to handle it. They were panicking. Paul stepped up. And in this story, we see three things about chaotic situations that I want to draw your attention to. They're on the back of your program. You can go to wfa.church slash livestream if you're watching and all the notes are there. Three things. If you want to keep your head straight when you are encountering chaos, the first thing you need to note is the chaos will not fix itself. Neither can you count on others to do it for you. Even though you're encountering, you have got to take the initiative. You have got to allow the Holy Spirit to help you navigate through it. It's not going to go away. We tend to put our head in the sand and say, well, maybe it'll just disappear. Generally, that doesn't happen. Have you ever noticed that? Problems rarely just go away. In fact, most of the time, they get worse. It's the second law of thermodynamics, it's the inevitability of entropy. Things go from order to disorder. And our problems, our challenges, certainly fit into that category. Left unattended, the weeds don't disappear. The weeds eventually take over the garden. You know what I'm talking about? Can you tell I've been out working in my yard this week? Fresh illustrations. You got to get those weeds out. So as the ship sailed into the storm, You can't just cross your fingers and hope the storm won't do what a storm of that size is capable of doing. Oh, you can pray, you can believe, but you've got to have a plan to take action. And as the ship sailed into these really troubled waters, Paul warned them. He says, man, this is going to be disastrous. This is not going to have a good ending unless we call upon the name of the Lord. He wanted to put on the brakes. In fact, he advised that they wait out the storm. Sometimes we get so single-focused on a goal. And even though things get chaotic, we don't want to let go. And sometimes the Lord wants us to just pull over into the harbor and wait the storm out. God's timing is not always our timing. He wanted them to spend the winter where they were. He said, man, these waters are considered unnavigable. Let's not do it. Let's wait it out. But everybody else said, no, let's just go ahead. And that's where I want to pick up the story in verse number 9. This is what Luke writes. He says, "We we had lost a lot of time. Take note of that. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger to our lives. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain And the owner than Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix. So Paul's advising one thing everyone else thinks they should press on farther up the coast of Crete and then spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. When a light wind, this is verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete, but the weather changed abruptly. Have you ever had a storm come up in your life where all of a sudden the weather changed abruptly? And a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster Burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors could not turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Let's go back to verse 9 for just a minute. We had lost a lot of time. Isn't that what chaos often does in our life? It's the ultimate time killer. And until we find a way to confront the chaos, we often just keep on losing time. Another phrase that jumps out on me is verse 15, where it says, The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. And I thought, Oh man, how many times have I been in the same situation? And I've given up to the problem. Have you been there? Sure, we all have. We give up and we give in to the problem and we let the problem drive us along. And we're just too tired to fight back. We're too discouraged. We're, we just don't resist. And so we let the problem drive us. And there's another phrase here I really like. It's found in verse number 12. Paul told the leaders that they needed, uh, you know, to do a certain thing. And Luke says, much of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix. Now, there are certain situations in our life, especially in crisis, because when you're in crisis, everybody has advice for you. Everybody comes out of the woodwork to help you. And friends, when you're in crisis, let me just say to you, generally, the majority is the last group that you want to listen to you want to be so in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because the hive mind mentality, and we see that. Man, we see that in our world today, this hive mind mentality of the majority. Man, people just kind of buying into this mob mentality. It rarely moves you. To the direction of wise decision making, because it's based in emotion, fear, and anger. A few years ago, I was working with a church. I have the honor of being an executive presbyter for our Northwest Ministry Network. So sometimes I'm called to work with other churches. And I remember I was working with a church that was on the verge of calling a new pastor. And their government, like ours is, is that the congregation votes on the pastor. And it had come down that the pulpit search committee had two options, and there was a real young, I don't know, 30-year-old hotshot. And uh, then there was a 50-something-year-old Mature leader who had decades of ministry under his belt. And everyone in the network office knew that this church needed stability. They needed someone who could come in and guide them in a mature fashion. And a couple of the leaders said, nope, this young man is not ready for the responsibility we're asking him to take. Wonderful man, he just needs seasoned. Seasoned. We need the older fellow. But the majority of the board, and I remember being at the meeting, the majority of the board said, no, this young man is what we need. He's, he's so excitable, and, you know, he'll bring in younger members. He's a dynamic preacher, and he is visionary, and that's the guy we want. And About two years later, after they elected him, the church was in disarray. The church was broke. The pews were empty. People were hurt. The hot shot was no longer there because of a scandal. And friends, hear me. Age had nothing to do with it. Age had nothing to do with it. The problem was the majority collectively couldn't see the same red flags that some of the key leaders could see individually. Some of the more mature church leaders saw the red flags, but the majority couldn't. And I'm saying that there's going to be times in your life that you're going to have to stand alone. You're going to have to stand with the minority against the tide of public opinion, you might have to choose what you know is right other than what everybody else is telling you you should do. Because chaos will not fix itself. And most of the time, you can't count on them. You know, here they come. It's them. It's the faceless, nameless people called they. what is that amber an amber alert thank you Brant. it must be important let's stop and pray lord jesus we pray for this family who right now is in a chaotic situation that they cannot find their child and god i pray in the name of jesus that your holy spirit will open eyes to that vehicle that has been spotted. Lord, it seems random that this amber Lord would come over our PA system, but God, we take time as a body of Christ to pray that that child will be found safely in the next few hours, and that family will know that there is a God who loves them, who wants to restore peace into their family. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Again, often people will say, well, they will fix it. Well, who who are they? The nameless, faceless, they will not fix it for you. So you have to ask yourself, what can I do, even though this isn't my, you know, doings? Secondly, we have to acknowledge that as believers in Jesus Christ, God is in control of our life, even in the most out-of-control situations. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, the Bible is very clear. Your steps are ordered of God. We see it in the book of Job. Satan couldn't do anything to Job without first passing over the desk of God. Now, I do not believe that God is in control of everyone's life because they haven't allowed him to be in control. But if you have accepted Christ as your Savior Your life is being controlled by God. So if you find yourself in the most out-of-control situation, the most chaotic situation, you can rely on the fact that God is going to use this for my good. God is with me. Because God is not the author of chaos. He's not the author of confusion. He's the redeemer of chaos. That's our Jesus He's not the author of disorder. He's not the author of destruction. He is the redeemer of disorder and destruction. Hallelujah. People say, well, what about the storms? Did God create those storms? Did God send those storms to punish people? Man, you know, that's maybe how it would be explained in the Middle Ages. But we have more and more of understanding of why those natural disasters happen And friends, I want you to know that God himself was weeping tears over the shooting in Texas. God does not create the chaos of a mass shooting. But he's there in the presence of his people to redeem the situation. In today's story, we see how Paul reminded his fellow passengers of that. Regardless of how things appeared on the surface, no matter how sick they all were, no matter how scared they all were, he reminded them God is in control to those of us who are following him. And when things got their very worst, God gave a word to Paul. It's found in verse number 25. And he passed that word on to everybody else. Verse number 25. So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said. He was trying to encourage the people. And sometimes the best thing you can do in the midst of an out-of-control situation is to acknowledge that above and beyond everything else, we can trust God. We can trust God. Pastor Darth was sharing with the staff, and I've thought about it all week long, how we all live in the middle of these two tensions of our faith in God and our fear. Maybe a fear of cancer, a fear of unemployment, whatever it might be. And we all kind of vacillate between faith and fear. That's where we live. And he was saying it's in the middle that we have the ability to trust God. That's the point. We will have moments of faith. We will have moments of fear. But the middle ground, the place that we want to find, is not to lean on our own understanding, but to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. See, God being in control of my life does not mean that I'll never face hard times. Asking Jesus in your heart does not guarantee you'll never be in another situation of chaos. But it means in spite of the disorder around us. Uh, Look here, Isaiah 59.1. It's a great promise. In spite of what's going on, listen, the prophet says, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you. Nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. Can you say amen? amen. The Lord is with us. And there's more times than I can count that I've had to stop in the middle of my momentary panic and remind myself who's really in charge of my life. And it's not my family, and it's not the board, it's God Himself, it's Jesus. He's in charge of my life. I've got to remind myself that. God's message to those on the ship through the Apostle Paul was in effect, listen, you'll get through this. This too shall pass. God's in control of even the most out-of-control situations. So if you want to learn how to keep your head about you, if you want to learn how to stand strong, even if the chaos is just something you've encountered, remind yourself of that truth. God must have faith in me that he's allowed me to be in this situation. May I trust him and glorify him in my response. Boy, a couple observations here from this story. Chaos is not able to fix itself. And the majority voices won't make it any better. And the third thing, and I think this is one of the keys to standing strong in what I do call a culture of chaos, and that is God expects us to take charge wherever and whenever we can. It's real easy for us to sit back and say, well, God will just figure it all out. Well, God will figure it out, but his plan includes you. God will feed the hungry, but his plan includes us. He uses us. We are his hands. We are his feet. Take charge wherever and whenever you can. Let's read in chapter 27, beginning with verse 27. Now, this is after the boat that they were on had taken a beating, and they had thrown their cargo overboard, and they had gone two weeks without food. Let's pick the story up. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near, and they dropped a weight line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Were they at the shore yet? No. They threw the anchors down. Verse 30 says, Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the soldiers stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the rope to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. And then the story goes on. It's interesting, at this point, they were almost ashore, couldn't get in because of the rocks, dropped the anchors, and at some point, Paul stood up again and Basically, in effect, he said, Gentlemen, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. You know, you probably should have listened to me, and you didn't, but maybe this time you will. You may not be able to still the storm that's around you. You may not be able to change the tide of public opinion. You might not be able to change the economy. You might not be able to control what some political leader might do. You might not be able to control what your wife or your kids or or your boss or your customers do. But you can control yourself with the help of the Holy Spirit. You can speak the voice of faith. You can trust for yourself yourself and for those around you. You can take charge. There's another thought in this text I want you to see. And that's the very last verse we read. Paul said, just as day was dawning, it's sunrise. And Paul says, you know, let's just eat. (laughs) You've been so worried. You've been so sick. You haven't touched food for two weeks. And so he wanted them to eat take care of yourself the crisis had gone on it wasn't over yet almost but not yet and the very best thing they could do at that point was to take care of themselves a whole different teaching but self-care is essential if you're going to walk in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ You need to take care of yourself, soul care. Jesus did it often. There'd be crowds of people who'd say, Jesus, come teach us. Jesus, heal our sick. And he'd say, I'm sorry, I need to go up into the mountains. I need to care for myself. I need to spend time with the Father. You can't give out what you don't have. That's why we need to spend time daily with the Lord. See, often the first thing that many people do in the midst of crisis, they just stop caring for themselves. They don't eat. Or if they're like me, they stuff themselves with all sorts of unhealthy food. You know? They either don't sleep at night or they sleep all day long. They withdraw emotionally and isolate themselves from everyone, or they become so tense, they blow up at everything. They medicate themselves with alcohol or drugs or food or shopping or a number of things. There's a chaos going on around you, and if you're in the constant state of not knowing what's going to happen next, I encourage you, as Paul encouraged them, take care of yourself. Make sure you're eating right. Make sure you're exercising. Make sure you're sleeping. Take walks. Be outside. Do the things that will help you maintain your emotional equilibrium. And then I'd encourage you to lighten your load. Notice that's what they did in verse 38. They started throwing things overboard. They started throwing wheat into the sea. Why? They needed to be slightly lighter so they could get closer to shore. There's something about a crisis that helps us to find what really matters, what we really need. I remember Pastor Allen and Pastor Darth coming over to my home shortly after COVID, and we were just talking about how difficult that time was, but it gave us a fresh start to reevaluate everything we do as a church. He said, you know, just because we did it pre-COVID doesn't mean we should continue doing it. Oh, maybe some of those things we should relaunch, maybe some of the things we should just leave back there. Maybe there's new things God is doing. See, in the midst of a crisis, it's a good time, friends, to evaluate what really is important. Divest yourself of unnecessary clutter. Emotional, physical, commitments. All of us have some clutter in our life. Could be a friendship that isn't leading us in a good direction. Maybe it's a financial obligation that's draining our resources. I was with my cousin recently over in Idaho, and I said, man, I can't wait till summer gets here to go out on your boat again. We were standing in his garage, and he had his boat in there. And last summer, he, uh, he had a tube on the boat, and we went over and I just had a great time. He, well, Jerry, he says, I'm going to sell my boat. I said, what? He said, you know, I just don't use it enough. It's just not, it's taking up space. It's taking up finances. He said, I thought I would use it every weekend. He said, I use it every five or six weekends. He said, I I just need to get rid of it. I thought, well, interesting. But what he was doing was decluttering, making the priorities. Sometimes, friends, you strengthen your position when you lighten your load. Look at your life. Ask yourself, what do I really need? What really matters? What, What can I do without And then thirdly, I I just want to say kind of under this point is I want to encourage you to get ready to do your part. Many times as believers, we want God to come (coughs) into our difficult situations and just take everything away and make everything right. No effort on our part. It's God, just come and take care of it all. We want God to you know, drop the the rescue boat from heaven. Most of the time, that's not the way it works. Most of the time, it works for us the way it worked in Acts chapter 27. The boat was approaching shore. Remember what we read? Verse number 41. They were so close, but they dropped anchor. Still in a little bit of danger. Let's look at verses 43-43. And 44. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. And look, though, everyone escaped safety to shore. When we are in the midst of chaos, there are times that we'll need to swim with all of our might. There are times that maybe you just need to hang on to a plank with all your might. But whatever you do, you need to do it to get to shore. God doesn't come in your life like a butler. That is bad American theology. It is not biblical theology. Sometimes they say, oh, accept Christ as your Savior, and God will be your butler. You know, he'll draw you a warm bath, and he'll brew your coffee for you, and mind, he'll get your slippers. And uh, yeah. That's not the role God plays in our life. We surrender and yield as disciples of Jesus. Now, God can get us through every chaotic situation and I'm glad for his strength and I'm glad there are times that he does miraculously intervene for us those are called miracles and they happen but a miracle is not an ordinary thing it's out of the ordinary see sometimes you and I to get through the chaos are going to have to jump out of the boat and swim the rest of the way Maybe grab some driftwood if you can only dog paddle. It's only a couple hundred yards to shore. But notice that God made sure that every person got safely to shore, even though they had to swim the final distance. Those of us who stand strong in a culture of chaos are those who refuse to surrender to chaos no matter whether it's a chaos that we created for ourselves or just a chaos that we encountered. Disciples of Jesus won't just give up. They won't give way to the storm and let the storm drive them. They're still driven by the power of the Holy Spirit, their love for the word, their love and willingness to glorify God in all situations. Oh, there may be a momentary situation where you feel like you're a victim of circumstance but you'll refuse to stay there. You'll move forward because you know that God's in control. You know that He will see you through whatever might come your way but you have to be willing to do your part. And for this reason even during an extended season of not knowing those who are able to stand strong will say, you know, if God asks me to do something, I'm prepared to do my part. Even if I have to swim the last 100 yards, even if I have to lighten my load, I'll hang on to God's promise that he's with me. Friends, you have no control over the chaos around you in many situations. I understand that. But through the help of the Holy Spirit, who is your advocate, you can have control over your response. Whenever and wherever you can, I encourage you to make a biblical choice (laughs) like Paul did. Set a godly example and be willing to do your part. Hide in the fortress of the goodness of God. And in that fortress, you'll never be shaken. Stand with me. If you haven't memorized, repeat it after me. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken, Psalm 62, 2. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity we've had to look into your word today. Lord, thank you that you have promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, though we're in the middle of a chaotic storm that was created by, by things that we had no control over, you still can give us the strength, the peace, the ability, and the willingness to trust you. I pray, Lord, for every person who is watching online today, every person who is in this room that is encountering a chaotic situation. I pray, Lord, that this lesson from Acts 27 will bring to them some practical help and that, Father, that through it all we'll learn to trust you knowing that you are our fortress and if our trust is in you, we will remain unshakable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.